Hello, and welcome to the Moncast. A podcast where we watch Pokemon and Digimon in tandem, and discuss the similarities and differences that they share. My name's Stevie. And I'm Sam. And the score currently stands at 1413 to Pokemon, and this time we are watching episode 28. It's all in the cards, and Pokemon Fashion Flash. Administration! We have some administration stuff. Yes, we do. And you could talk about it because I don't know how to do it. You don't know how to talk about tweets. I don't know. Tweets scare me. Okay, we got a tweet from at Games saying, You know you two, I never really mentioned this, but I really like this. I love the idea of it and everything about it. That was nice. I don't know if they're actually listening, but if they are listening, then thank you very much for that kind comment. Yes, hello, welcome. Welcome to this weird thing we do and i'm glad you enjoy it or enjoy the concept of it the concept was all me i'm not even joking she's like what can we do to make our digimon podcast different let's do pokemon as well i also wanted to do yokai watch but that would have been too much stuff yeah plus it's hard to come up with the name yoki pokey moki where does moki come from i don't know i like the concept of what we're doing as well do you like the concept sam it's a thing we're doing we're definitely doing a thing I'm joking. I really do like it. It's fun. Good. I enjoy this. It is fun. It's nice to go and look at episodes that I remember so highly and enjoy and just watch them all burn to the ground because of time. Well, eventually we'll get more recent episodes of things that might hold up better. Not everything came out in 1999. I was nine years old then. I was three. (sighs) Terrifying. I turned 20 this year. That's a scary thing. And then it's 21, which is almost as bad. It's fine. I'm becoming an adult. Help me. It's okay. Even when you're 26, you won't feel like an adult. You'll just be more tired. Especially because I'll probably still be doing this. Back on track. At Connor with an O says, at the Moncast, just so you know, I may have to fight Stevie due to bad opinions. Hashtag Izzy was robbed. It was episode 24, which was no questions please against Haunter versus Kadabra, which was the one where you just hated Pokemon because it was bad. And I was just like, but I hated Digimon more. Well, I agree with Connor because it's a dumb episode, but I let you have the point because why not? Because I stayed calm and wouldn't give up the point whereas you just got angry but they also said slightly after that is uh that the choice was between a squandered epic encounter with one of eight gym leaders and is he getting the cosmos thrown at him and yeah you know it's it's great because if you if you look at the actual like what connor says it's literally one of the eight big important matches he has to do before he goes to the pokemon league and it basically ended with a ghost making a girl laugh or a planet gets thrown at a giant bug i don't know maybe the battle was better in digimon because there wasn't one in pokemon yeah but connor and i had quite a long conversation back and forth about just me trying to justify why i gave it to pokemon and basically at the end of it we came to the conclusion that we're actually whose line is it anyway and the points don't matter i wouldn't say they don't matter they are kind of arbitrary it's more of the points aren't official in any way shape or form it's more of it's what we decide so it's it's almost it's almost a map of how we feel about these episodes it is basically just keeping track of our own opinions about which was better like if someone said to us which one which episode was better in pokemon and which one was it in episode 24 which one was better we can say oh this one's better than this one too so what i'm saying is at the end of this we could create a a playlist of pokemon and digimon episodes that people can watch in order and get the best viewing experience out of both apart from when we're apart from when we're forced to assign points and the both bad episodes which happens a bit too frequently for my liking neither of the shows is consistently good further down the line i will probably end up giving a point to digimon when pokemon should have had it so in the long run it'll balance itself out i don't know what score we'll end up with it could be anything and i don't know if it'll even matter everyone that's listening will still prefer one of the other and we're not going to change anyone's opinions i don't think and we're not definitively saying that one is actually better we're just saying this is what we think i have no idea what you've just said i'm reading twitters i'm not sure how this works last thing from connor with a no they linked us to a song that a digi fan made about sora's episode it's a song called i want to know what love is and it's by foreigner it's a good song i hadn't heard of it before but if i had heard of it i would have definitely referenced it in episode 26 
It's that, I wanna know what love is. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I yeah, know that song. Yes, I shared that because it's, first of all, a good song. Second of all, I referenced it in the episode. <laughs> so that was the main reason. You're on Twitter again, aren't you? Yes, this is fascinating. Shall we continue talking about stuff that happened? I tweeted that there was a sale going on for Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth on the Vita, which might still be going on now, depending on your region. If you haven't got it already and you've got a Vita, definitely recommend picking it up. Anyway, Digital Moncast said, of course, the problem being that you need to own a Vita. And they retreated the shout out like, there's a sale going on. And then one of the Digital Moncast's followers said, I'm a bit unsettled at Digital Moncast retweeting the Moncast. Digital Moncast says, we have a long-standing rivalry. It can only end in bloodshed or marriage. I vote bloodshed. Death by combat. I vote peace treaty. I vote I will fight. Then Mr. Beeb says, what are their opinions on wolfmen? And I'm not sure what this is in reference to. I'm assuming something about wolfmen is very important on the digital moncast. But in my opinion, wolfmen are great. They look cool. I hope that's the right opinion to have. You can have that opinion. I do not care for wolfmen or vampires, which is kind of ironic considering the next arc we're going through. Why not wolfmen? I don't don't care. Wegrurumon is the only good part of Matt. Every single story about werewolves that always tragically lost people who, oh, I can't handle this werewolf thing that happens to me once a month. Women go through periods once a month and they're fine. They don't make a big deal out of it. I don't know if periods drive women to murder very often. I am not going to respond to that in case they upset people. I'm just saying that people who have periods and also are werewolves are probably a lot better adjusted than people who don't have periods and are werewolves. Sam, all of our werewolf listeners are going to stop listening. Fight me! (laughs) If you call them all whiny whiny whiners <laughs> digital moncast just let us know if we've offended you well, all i'm saying is Algamon is the best and gabby is garbage if it does end up in marriage then lost in translation mon knows who can be the ring bearer and it's kumamon or bearmon i guess that's a play on the word bear which i only just got I've looked at this tweet like five times and I've only just worked out that Bearmon and Bear are likely to make the joke. For ages I was just like, what has this Digimon got to do with ring bearing? I don't get it. I'm sure it will end happily. We're not going to kill each other or marry each other. We're going to coexist. I've listened to a couple of episodes, but I'm going to have to download more to listen to and get up to speed because I've been binging Welcome to Night Vale because next month me and Steve are actually meeting in person for the first time ever. We're weird internet friends, but we're going to go see Welcome to Night Vale in Manchester. So I'm trying to get up to speed and I've got about 60 episodes to listen to still. So I've got 60 episodes to listen to in a month. Yeah, I tried to listen to the Digital Moncast for a while, but the episodes are just so long. I can't keep up with every Digimon podcast, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I might try again, but right now I've got a backlog of like 75 podcast episodes, so it might be a while before I get around to it. Moving on to the next tweet, which is from May from Lost in Translation Mon, which says, Look at you go, the Moncast. One of the first that comes up when you search Digimon. Really great for a new podcast. And there's a picture of us in the top five search results when you search for Digimon in iTunes. Which is great. It makes me happy. That is really cool. And they're listening to episode 22 in that screenshot. So they're a bit behind. I am also behind. I am I am like nine episodes, eight episodes behind on us. I kind of binge listen to them though. I listen to us at like 1.4 speed and we sound a lot more intelligent because we're going quicker. And also because I edit out all of the ums and ahs. The ums, the ahs, the ugh, weird mouth noises I make. I just make us intelligent. You use the power of editing. I'm great at editing. You're very good at editing. I'm not afraid to say that anymore. I think I'm pretty good at it at this point. Humble brag. And finally, Digital Moncast says that until someone newer pops up, we are the newbie podcast, even though we started like a month after them. I then pointed out that another Digimon podcast has come out since, so we are not the newbie podcast. That one's called Breakfast with Digimon, and that's quite good. They listen to it during the episode. I quite like enjoying listening to people sitting and just talking because I'm weird like that. But it's good. It's good. There are good, good Digimon podcasts out there. Yeah, I've not listened to them because it looks like the episodes cover a season at a time. They do like a bunch of episodes, but it's it's basically as they they listen to it and you can hear it in the background. It's quite good. It's basically what we almost accidentally did for our first episode. We watched the episodes live and I was somehow picking it up with my mic. I think we did about 9,000 first episodes. Yeah, before the Moncast came into being, there was other ideas. But yes, there, there are a fair few good Digimon co- podcasts. I mean... They, they vary in quality. You've got the, the high-end ones, like Prodigious is like a really, really good show. That there's uh, The amount of editing and, and show notes and time that's put into that show is fantastic. So that you've got, you got those sort of ones, and then you get ones like 
us, which are... We don't do that much editing. You don't. I do like four hours. Okay, I do like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. So, And if I add a re-listen to, just to make sure everything's fine. I never re-listen to anything. I've recently started doing it, but I, I listen to it at like twice speed, just to make sure. Because then we don't end up with what happened the other week, where I released just my recording. That had nothing to do with you re-listening. That was just you uploading the wrong file. Shh, trying to justify it. But yeah, I, I, I do agree with the digital modcast. We are we are kind of new still. We are learning. We're still improving steadily. Even now, I'm getting a new mic. I've got it here with me right now, with no cable. So hopefully I'll have better quality next time. Is that, is that it for your end? Is that it for Twitter? Yes, I think that's everything. That's all the messages we had on Twitter. Yes, okay. I am also now going to shamelessly plug Stevie's new podcast because you're in the Year of Steam's Little Sister episodes, which are, is it every every two weeks? Yes, every two weeks. And basically you and some other person, I forgot their name. Stuart. Stuart, that's one. You discuss a couple of steam games that you've been catching up on because you have this insane backlog of games in the hundreds which i think is medically wrong (laughs) there is something wrong with you mentally to have that many games that you haven't played there's an addiction there i've i've got to collect them all that is unheard of it's the bundles all the bundles she's like oh i can get these 10 for just like one pound 50 why wouldn't I do that? To be fair, it like I listened to it today and it's re- it's really good. If you like me and I've got, you know, maybe three minutes of spare time in a day, you don't want to go and spend fifteen pounds on a game that you will ultimately not enjoy after the first five minutes. So with you folks talking about games that you've enjoyed it's quite nice to have that little insight into into the games that there are. And I think the one I heard today was it's is it called like Zafe House or something like that? Yeah, Zafe House Diaries. That one sounds quite interesting, so I might have to get that. The text-based one. I like text-based games. So you liked it. That's good. I liked it. I thought it was really good. It was nice to hear some people talking about things that weren't Digimon. I'm in no way, shape, or form salty about the fact that you've gone off and podcasted with someone else. It's fine. It's fine. No, honestly, it's it's a really it's a really good show, and I enjoyed the first episode, and it was quite good. It's nice to hear people talking about games, especially, like I said, if you don't have a lot of time to pick a game to play because you don't have that much free time to waste potentially playing a game that you ultimately don't enjoy in the first episode i talked about realms of the haunting and thief gold thief gold's really good as well i'm gonna recommend that because i remember playing that when i was younger Eh, i didn't like it that much i didn't put a lot of time into it though so that's probably why you're used to a better quality of game i'm used to lots of really blocky pixel people it looked fine it was just i couldn't work out what i was supposed to do (laughs) i don't have the time to wander around aimlessly in a map Cool. Right, we need to get on because we've we've basically done administration for an hour now, which is fine. I didn't know we get that much stuff. We normally don't. There's been a couple of weeks where we don't get anything, so we're clearly on the up and up. Because of my stats, I can tell you that our longest administration so far is 14 minutes and 38 seconds long. So you should be able to cut this down to something short. It should be shorter than 14 minutes, maybe slightly longer. We can't have like almost an hour worth of recording and you cut it down to 10 minutes. That would be so upset. The last episode was an hour long recording and it was 36 minutes once i edited it down no 34 minutes even i think the final episode is like 35 minutes but that's like even the episode's called we need to fill a half hour and i thought that was kind of poetic it's a reference to like obviously jesse's quote in the episode but i thought it's quite good that there's so little to talk about in the episodes that we only ended up with about half an hour it's been the shortest episode in ages it was the first episode in eight episodes that was under 40 minutes long i can't believe you have these statistics they're all just in a spreadsheet i do not want that spreadsheet you can you can you do you i'm gonna be over here playing with my v pets at the end of the series i'm just gonna have stevie's stats special where i just look at this sheet and list off things that interest me what you'll need to do is you'll need to ask me questions like what do you think the longest episode was and who do you think has the most points like who has the longest streak of points and i'd be like uh this one and this one you be like no you fool you're wrong it's this but yeah like like you said we're about halfway through halfway through digimon and the episodes of pokemon we're going to be talking about we're going to try and do a recap thing in between the next seasons just about the pokemon episodes very quickly going catching up to pokemon johto journeys i think it is 
basically what happens after the bits we've watched and we're going to talk about how maybe they could have condensed that down a little bit how are we <laughs> yes maybe by having less filler episodes because if you look at what the digidestin do in 50 something episodes and what ash does in 50 something episodes it's kind of unfortunate yeah we'll just recap whatever the arcs are in between probably well, there's not too many i think there's only like another 20 something episodes which sounds like a lot but it's not too much yeah but then there's also the couple series in between because we're not going on to see two of pokemon because otherwise we'll eventually end up on like digimon fusion versus ash in the johto region somewhere oh yeah we're not going to go and do like um the orange islands and stuff no i don't think so we could do a little special episode about those because there are some interesting stories there yeah if we have the time to watch them we shall think about it before we get to it we'll work it out at the time that's still another 14 weeks away if we keep up this pace we should be finished about christmas and then we can have a christmas break where we just do like one a week which will be like little special things and then we'll restart up again i guess you mean like the christmas episodes of pokemon basically in between the series we've got a lot of specials we can do there are lots that there's like an alarmingly large amount of side episodes like pokemon chronicles there's um like the digimon movies there's like the, the prequel to digimon and stuff we've got pokemon specials so we've got a lot of stuff we can we can eke out lots i think there are going to be a lot of special episodes especially for pokemon yeah because there's a lot of extra pokemon content that's not in the main series which is fine because me and you i know we're we're both massive fans of digimon and there's a lot of digimon to talk about and stuff but it'll be nicer for us to just have these little breaks where we can talk about specifically pokemon because it is good yeah pokemon has definitely has good episodes okay right we're moving on it seems like a good time <laughs> the first episode we are watching this time is it's all in the cards the kids take a break from saving the digital world and visit jenai's subnautical house in order to learn some important plot points and let jenai rip a few buttons off of Vissy's laptop so they can use it as a totally not pokedex once the kids have had enough exposition dumped on them they head off with a pack of playing cards to open the door to the human world. Once inside Myotismon's castle, the kids have to figure out which cards go in which slot in order to open the door. Once they manage to open a door using flawed ideas, they wind back up at the very same summer camp where it all began. That was short because there's not a lot in this episode. There's not a lot in this episode, but it flows quite nicely, I thought. To start off, I, I do like this episode. Like, there's not a lot of action, and it's where the action is, it fits and makes sense. But we shall start at the beginning. Yes, we shall. They're not in the castle anymore. Nope. My first note is, and so the eighth Digidestined child thing begins because they've just found out about this secret eighth child. Who could it be? And then I said how plot convenient it is to have Jedi's house right next to Myotis One's castle. Because he literally fires a beam of light out from his house so that the kids can find it. And it's basically right outside the castle. Which kind of makes sense when you think about it. If he's that close to the castle and he has to stay secret, it makes sense as to why he can't just go and help the kids. Because if he gets found out, then he's done for. Because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure if Myotis One saw Jedi, he would just wipe him out straight away. So that's why he's had to stay pretty quiet maybe which is an interesting idea and then when they go to jenai's house joe at one point says there's no lawn though and then immediately the next shot it just cuts to them stood on the lawn in front of the house do the writers not know what happens maybe they just don't know what grass looks like they spend all the time looking after the monkeys with the typewriters writing up digimon episodes so they all meet up with jenai and he has the cards now for some reason yeah they are plot convenient cards where do they come from how do they work why has jenai got a copy of them why can't they just use myotis ones which would probably still be left there are they the same cards that jenna's just got somehow i'm assuming so otherwise how else would they end up in the same world it just seems so plot convenient that that jenna has these cards and if they are the same cards there's no way you should have them it doesn't make sense no they don't do anything else so they're never seen again and they're just here these cards you need them to open the gate we don't know how they work but just here to have them it's like, okay but how, how do you know they do this thing if, you, if you've never used them before and you don't know how they work it makes sense that they'd be left behind because if you pick them up off the lock then you can't carry them through the gate but we didn't see anything after the myotis one episode of them still in the castle picking up the cards and bringing them out i mean if they were still in the castle surely they could look at the little pedestal with the, th the cards on and be like oh this goes in this order maybe we can pick these up and put them back to get to the door 
doesn't really make sense. Just turn it off and on again. Just take a card off, then put it back on. And Jedi says to the kids that this is how you can get home. So he's known all along that you can get back to the human world through this door. But he's quite happy to let the kids wander by themselves and get lost and in harm's way for months. What, what's he doing? Why does he do this? Why do you do this, Jedi? He only cares about the digital world. I feel like... Jedi is one of the more frustrating characters, and that's only because of what he is. He is essentially an exposition dump. Yeah, exactly. He will throw the next bit of information at the kids, and then the next bit of information, and then tell them where they need to go to do this. Which is okay, have a character like that. But if you look at all the information he's given us so far, he's telling them that they have to go to the Continent Observer. But he should also say, by the way, there's this monkey, there's also this vampire. The vampire's trying to get to the human world. By the way, there's a door to the human world over there, so you should go. Because if he didn't tell the kids that there's a door to the human world, and they were like, no, we're just going to stay on File Island, they would never no and i think it's very wishy-washy for him to have this bit of information that he could have revealed before and now he just remembers it it's bothersome chennai's just not a character really it's more like a smartphone app you click on him and it tells you where to go he's like in the pokemon he's the pokedex or okay he's maybe he's not the pokedex he might be more like Professor Oak. Even Professor Oak's more useful. Professor Oak doesn't really provide information, though. But he has a use. He just gives them Pokemon and looks after the spare ones. But I suppose he still does more than Jedi does. Also, because he's explaining to the kids how they need to use these cards to get to the human world, but I don't know which one you need to use. And he shows them the alternate version of reality where Palmon and Mimi are crossed, and it's really creepy. It creeps me out a little bit with like human Palmon and, and, and Mimimon. It's, uh, it's cool. It's a cool idea, but also let's hope, I just hope we never see that sort of thing again. But surely if he has these cards and he knows they've got to get them home, he should have himself have done some research into what cards do what. And if the gang can figure out on a whim what the cards do, surely Jedi should be able to. He knows more about the digital world than the kids do. Based on this episode, we have to assume that Izzy is actually smarter than Jedi. Which I agree with completely. Yeah, Jedi just goes from really clever to really forgetful really quickly. Like he says to Izzy that Digimon are divided up into data vaccine and virus types. And then he should have said, these cards, by the way, there are data vaccine and virus types in there. These are these ones and these are these levels. But he just doesn't. He just gives them the cards and it's like, okay, you figure it out. And then he also upgrades Izzy's laptop and it looks like he's just pulled a couple buttons off it. He has basically vandalized his laptop. I can't remember what buttons would be there on a laptop. Would it be like the home button, the delete, etc. Page up, page down. It might be some of the F buttons. Or maybe the print screen button. But he has been give, now been given an updated version of their version of the Pokedex, which is the, the Digimon Analyzer. But I suppose it does give them a nice little mechanic later on when AC says, uh, who here has seen Shogunmon, even though it's Shogun Gekumon. So it does give them a nice little thing, which they don't really explore anymore. But it, it would be pretty cool to see them all uploading their information to the computer. So then they are set to leave because they they spend a night at Jedi's, they eat some food, they have a rest, they recuperate, they get ready. And then Jedi's like, no, I've done all I can and can no longer help you. And I'm like, okay, but I bet you're going to do something later on in the season. And I'm pretty sure, from what I remember, he dumps a lot more exposition on them and does a lot more later on. And it's like, why can't you tell the, the kids these things now? <laughs> he also doesn't show the kids how to use the cards, which I thought would be kind of an important scene. Jedi just gives them the bare minimum of the facts that they need to move on. He saves the rest for later, whenever the next arc starts. Whenever more exposition is required, you know that Jedi will be there to provide. The bare minimum. So then the kids have to set off and go to Mariotismon's castle again, and I was quite shocked this time because... I think I've said in a couple episodes that I feel like whenever there's going to be, they need an ultimate level without plot reasons, it'll be a Metal Greymon. But this time we got Mega Kabutomon, it's quite good. I think it's because Koromon was still Koromon, and that would be one too many time fillery digivolutions. So they just went for the two with Tentomon instead. And then I'm not sure what happens next, but they're, they're walking on the ceiling, and then the camera is spinning round. Something happens, and then they're on the floor walking, and then Motimon falls down, and as he says, you fixed the warp in space and i'm not sure what that was they took the cool thing about the castle which was the whole like really weird cool stuff like you could walk on the top and bottom of stairs and things and 
removed it. It's just in that one scene. It's never explained or anything, and it just happens, and I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why. It's a warp in space. It was weird. It was weird and confusing. But they fixed it. Doing whatever he did. I think he just removed the cool thing about the castle, which made me a bit sad. They got rid of the Digiworld weirdness, basically. And then they end up back in the room with the door, and they have to figure out what's going on, and they spend a lot of time. At this point, also, Patamon is sent off to do reconnaissance, which is just really cute. Because Patamon's cute and useful. I just had to throw that in there. They're not 100% sure what to do. And they figure out basically that they're all different types. That the lion, horse and monkey. And then they're all data vaccine and virus types. And they're like, oh, these cards are these things. And then they say they're in training rookie and champion. Is it in, is it that? In training rookie and champion? Yeah, Joe says the wrong ones, I think. Even though they're rookie, champion and ultimates. And they basically solve the puzzle using the wrong terminology. But, you know, they got they got to the end result. That's good. And then the castle starts caving in. Because why not? They're being chased in by a lot of Takugumon, which are these spider Digimon. I get that, but why is the castle collapsing now? Maybe it needs Myotismon to hold it together. But it's been up for a day, at least. But maybe Kabutarimon removed the space warp inside it. And that's going to collapse the castle? Maybe the space warp was the only thing holding it together. It's all very confusing. They don't explain why. There are things in this episode that happen without an explanation, but okay, just go with it. So then they're not sure what card goes where. And then they basically elect Ty to be the leader. And it's, you know, it's the final thing that he's like, yeah, okay, you're definitely the leader now. It's official. You are the leader. Which is good. It's nice for him to finally take the mantle of leader. But they're basically picking someone to put the blame on. When we all die, we'll blame you in the afterlife. (laughs) So Ty doesn't want to deal with the blame. So he asks Izzy to do it. Which is a smart move. He is the smartest person in the group, but he has got the crest of, of knowledge. So I would definitely say he's the best one to go for. So then they do the thing with the in-training rookie and champion, even though it's wrong. And then, yeah, the Dokugamon appear and they're like, there are intruders in the castle. It's like, okay, but the castle is being destroyed. Does it matter? Why are you still in here fighting if the castle is falling apart? They're not the smartest villains. That's like fighting a pirate on a, on a sinking ship. It's going down anyway. <laughs> But it looks cool. It does look cool, but still, maybe try and save yourself a little bit. And then uh, we get loads of sped up evolution sequences in this, this little moment, which I'm happy for. I counted there are seven digivolutions in this episode. It's a lot, but also they were quite quick. Even sped up, that's still probably like a minute of just digivolutions overall. It's not too bad. It didn't really kill the pacing. If it was the slower ones, I could understand, but they were quite quick and almost immediate. Yeah, at least they went all back to back. And then we get my favourite song. Hey Digimon, hey Digimon. <laughs> so yeah, we get Hey Digimon, which is, it's growing on me a little bit but also it does seem completely inappropriate at times. If you're in the middle of a tense scene, you don't really want just this really relaxed sounding, really chilled, oh, we're all friends here song, whilst a castle is collapsing around you and you're fighting lots of giant man-eating spiders whilst trying to get through a door that's closing that potentially might kill you. It's not exactly the best song for the moment. It's rarely ever the best song for any moment, but they get through the gate. They do, and they wind up. They wind up back in the real world at summer camp. Yeah, which is the place it all started. But then Coromon asks Ty why he kept the Agumon card, and Ty's like, oh, it's because you're my friend. And I think that's really cute, because I'd, I'd, keep, I'd keep the Agumon card if I could. And then the episode ends. And we are promised an arc in the real world. Which is very interesting, because it's it's reversing the tables now that the the digimon are the ones in the weird world they've never been to before bar one it should be good my random bits and pieces today are jenna's house is pretty cool yeah i like jenna's house it's got like fish floating outside the window you have to part the sea to get the stairs to go down i'm pretty sure i remember there's something i've watched and they've got water but it's like a hologram water so like on the surface it looks like water but underneath it's just completely empty but yeah i feel like maybe that's what the water is there or unless it's like actual water he can water he can manipulate i don't know but i do like jenna's house and i like this, this weird thing of it being underneath water which explains why izzy couldn't find it because it was if it was just in in a cave somewhere it'd be a bit stupid it gives a justifiable reason because you're not going to search the bottom of a lake for a house because why would you that's dumb next thing is that i like it when mimi screams in jenna's face when they just arrive at jenna's house and mimi just screams i why are we the digi destined i like mimi and i like a little outbursts like when they go into the water and the first thing she says is my hat <laughs> like her biggest concern right now is her hat she's got to look her best all the time we do get a glimpse of my otismon in the real world as well which looks menacing he's on top of a building and there's like just his army on the top all in silhouette with glowy eyes and you can 
tell who's who. If you know them already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you if you had a, a basic understanding of which Digimon are which, you clearly see. Because I feel like they could have quite easily just had a mass of, like, a blob of black with some eyes in. But no, they seem to have taken the time and the effort to uh, actually draw each one. Which is a nice little um, hint and teaser for things that they're going to have to face. Everything with Ty being the leader and the team making decisions was really good for character development and seeing them all interact and assign roles to each other there was good delegation i felt that was quite nice in this episode as well was how they know they've got to go back to Myotismon's castle and they start to get tactical like they did with etamon where izzy and tentamon go and, and take out the the first wave of enemies they've got to fight and then the door opens and then um matt takes charge and says okay i'm going to get mine to evolve to ultimate because i feel like with ultimate it's, it's the newest thing they've got but it's also risky because if they run out of energy before the fight's over they don't just go back to their rookie form they go back to in, in training which are a lot weaker and they can't really do anything to defend themselves so it was good and i like the idea of the cards i wish they were explained a bit more and they had other uses but but it was a bit weird i feel like if they had used the cards before in like traveling to serve or something they can use it the cards to open doors because each card's got part of a code and they can use it to essentially dial up a location and then they can get there that would be quite interesting but they They've never really been explained. But apart from that, I, I kind of like the idea. It's a puzzle and it's an interesting puzzle and it makes sense as well with the levels and the types, which are two mechanics they've got in the story. It's nice to see those used in a puzzle. I liked the whole puzzle solving part of the episode and the fact that they had to do it under time pressure as well added a bit of tension to it. But that was my favourite thing this episode was were the cards, even though they're like a weird mechanic to just throw in. But it was creative. They could have had some other dumb mechanic, like they have to go and get parts of a key and they have to go and have like four or five episodes where they go and find these different parts of the key or even finding the individual cards. At least they didn't have that. They literally had, here's some cards, go do the thing. Which, you know, was kind of dumb, but at least it got them to do the thing they had to do. But then there's the rest of the episode, the parts that aren't good, which is basically Jedi. Jedi himself is not even a character. He's literally just exposition dump. He's a sat-nav. He's a sat-nav and Google search all put into one. He had a nice setting, though. Like, the house was really nice. He had, like, all the, the pictures of, like, the world and fish and, like, all the posters he had up. It was quite nice. There are also a couple weird moments. Like, when they all stand up and applaud Izzy. <laughs> that seemed a bit out of the blue. When was that? I... Right after Izzy works out how the cards go into place, everyone in the team just stands up and goes, Well done, Izzy! You're smart! That was an odd moment. And there was also the tiny bit of reused animation from the first episode when they were going between the worlds. Was that reused? I'm sure they fell in a different order. They used the waves, though. It looked exactly the same to me. It was weird how they weren't the, the Digimon weren't in there. It looked like the Digimon got ahead of them, though, somehow. Well, Matt carried Sunamon in, so I don't know why he wasn't them. But like you said, animation. What was your favourite thing in this episode? My favourite thing was Izzy, because he got a bit of the limelight in this episode, working out how the cards fit into place and being given, basically, the final call on how it works. And all just the delegation surrounding that decision to give him control of the cards was really good he played his part in the team well yeah he definitely stood out the most in this episode he did the most it was it was almost like it was a, a him episode if that makes sense because he has the little discussion with jenai by himself who, who explains typing and, and he gets the analyzer and everything so it's almost like this episode was kind of had a slight focus on izzy even though it was everybody learning stuff and, and getting ready I think it was mostly focused on Jedi teaching Izzy. Here's the information you need to be useful in this episode. It may never be used again. But now, overall thoughts. It was okay. I enjoyed it. It gave us some new things like uh, explaining typing and Izzy got the analyzer updated, which is a cool thing. I like the analyzer. It's better than like what we've had before where they just it pops to a screen, a stat screen. In this, it, it, it gives us an explanation as to why there would be a stat screen. I thought it was a pretty good episode. I was expecting it to be much worse because I didn't think they would be able to fill a whole episode of just getting back to the real world without it being really boring. But there was enough in there to just keep it flowing nicely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little breather episode and I like breather episodes. It's all set up for the next arc, which is the human world arc, which, you know, we'll get to when we get to. But I, I, I like, if they had just rushed into the portal and got there straight away they wouldn't have had the time to collect their thoughts and get ready for what they're about to face it also justifies my one having things like plans in action because if he if they'd gone in at the same time that he wouldn't have had time to start doing the things that he's to do but because he's had this short amount of time then uh 
at least he's got some plans that could start being put into motion whilst the kids are there doing what they've got to do next. It didn't bore me to death. Even though not not a lot happened, there was literally just exposition dump and then battle in a castle. Yeah, it just did enough. It kept it entertaining enough. The second episode we're watching is Pokemon Fashion Flash. Ash and Co are on Scissor Street, where Brock wants to finally get an episode focused around him and his dream of being a Pokemon breeder. He's looking for Susie, a world-famous Pokemon breeder, to take him on as her pupil. But first, a fashion war is raging between Susie's salon and Team Rocket's boutique, and Ash and Brock are determined to win and prove to Misty that the inside matters more than the outside. Misty is taken captive by Team Rocket, so Ash and Brock save her from Team Rocket, dressed in rather fabulous costumes. In a heated battle, Susie's Vulpix sends Team Rocket blasting off with its fire spin. Finally, Susie entrusts Vulpix to Brock, as he's proven he has the potential to become a great Pokemon breeder. Scissor Street. Okay, why not? Why not? Make up as many places as you want, Pokemon. Go ahead. Have fun with it. We've had Celadon City, and then they went to Hop 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 Town, and now they're in Scissor Street. It's a cool name for a street, though. Mm, especially if it's like the style district. But is this like in the same, is it this all in Celadon City? I kind of thought it would be. I've got no idea. Because they've at no point have they transitioned to another city or anything. So I assume they're like different districts in Celadon City, which would be good. I like a giant city. It's better than just having three houses in a Pokemon Center. Yeah. And for once, it's Brock that's decided what's Ash and Co are going to do this episode, which is good. It's a Brock episode. Instead of just being the cook. Because that's what he does. He decides, I don't want to be a side character this episode. So they go to the fashion district, the style district, and they pass some shops and they see, I don't know about you, but could you tell that the R on the Team Rocket boards was just photoshopped in? It looked it. And also the Vulpix on the door is literally just a stock footed, like the, the Pokedex entry shot of Vulpix and they've just stuck it on the door. And I don't know why they've needed to do these things. It doesn't make any sense. Like, is it a Vulpix shop? Is it? Is it specialty is Vulpix? There's just a Vulpix in there. So why is there this really badly photoshopped picture of a Vulpix on the top? It makes no sense. Maybe it's just her prized Pokemon. It is, it is. But then stuff happens later on and it gets me really upset and angry. But we'll talk about that after. You can probably guess why I'm annoyed. So they go into Susie's boutique and she's there making a Chansey or Shiny, which is weird. It's massaging her. Massage parlors are things in the game, aren't they? They're in, in some of the games. There's with the happiness meter. You can have Pokemon have haircuts or massages. I'm pretty certain I remember in the Pearl version going back to get my Ryoli massaged all the time so it would eventually evolve into Lucario. Which is a garbage Pokemon. I disagree, but that that's Gen 4, so we'll leave it for now. Okay, so yeah, Shiny Chansey is now Shiny. Happy Chansey. Which is okay, it's it's weird. I've oiled up your Chansey, have it back. I'm pretty sure this is like the first potentially non-cisgendered person we've seen. What do you mean? The person who picks up Chansey is like, I couldn't tell their gender and I think that was pretty cool. I just thought it was some flamboyant person. I'm assuming a lot from from the bits that I saw, but I'm assuming that they're not a heterosexual male. I have no idea about their sexual preferences. I don't think it matters. I don't think you can assume that from the way that they dress. I'm assuming from from the standpoint of the era that the episode was released. Because if they wanted to make it to normalise this person, they probably would have had a woman voice the person. But they instead had quite a flamboyant man voicing the person. To which I extrapolate the fact that maybe they're not straight or something. I don't know. I I, I just thought it was interesting. I didn't really dwell on it at all. I just thought he was a character that walked in and picked up his chancy. What else is there to discuss about him? I don't know. I just, I really want there to be some people who aren't just heterosexual people in, in Pokemon. Yeah, but I don't want to assume that this person isn't heterosexual because they dress flamboyantly because that's not what everyone's like i know but if if you look at the 90s and stuff i i don't know stevie i just thoughts and feelings you just want representation yes that's what i want well i don't think this is a representation you'd want why not they're cool they have like a red star on their face it's a bit too stereotypical yeah but you're not going to get anything subtle in the 90s yeah you're not going to get anything else in pokemon around that time definitely You'll never get a woman talking about her girlfriend in Pokemon. 
Yeah, I think we've spoken about this long enough. Why? What's wrong with it? No, I mean, he's a side character that shows up for like maybe a minute throughout the whole episode. He's not even got a name from what I can tell. I think the point I'm trying to get across is, to me, this seems like hopefully some sort of representation and I'm hoping it is. But it could not be. Maybe they just really enjoy fashion. That's the impression I got. I thought they were just a fashionable guy. I'm just projecting a lot because I, re- I really want representation. That's fair enough. Because I'm giving things like Steven Universe nowadays and it's amazing. So I go back and look at Pokemon and I'm like, there's so much heteronormativity in this thing. Can we move on? Yes, I will move on if you're uncomfortable with it. Because I want to talk about Brock in this episode. If the really oiled up chance he makes you feel uncomfortable. I couldn't care less about the massage. It's so oily. That's how massages work. It's going to have a quality to it though. You can't really hug the chance otherwise all of its oils will stain. It just absorbs into the skin. Yeah, but like, if that person hugs Chansey now, the shirt that they're wearing, which is like a frilly blue, I'm assuming really expensive shirt, will just get all oil stains on it. Give Chansey a towel. (laughs) That's all I'm asking for. After this, they talk to Susie, who runs the salon, at last. And Brock isn't actually super perverty about woman for once. He's he's almost shy. Well, not shy, but nervous. Bashful. That's the one. Because he's he respects her, clearly, for her skills. He's not objectifying her for her appearance. He's admiring her for her skills in breeding, which isn't, which isn't breeding. Misty picks up Vulpix without asking its permission, and it fire attacks. To which I'm like, why would you do this? It's like petting someone's dog without asking if you can pet the dog. Because it's cute. If a dog comes up to you and he's all sniffing you and really happy, then by all means pet the dog. But don't go up to someone's dog that's lying there and pet the dog. Especially if the dog can breathe fire. Which in this show there is a dog that can breathe fire. So yeah, this is a breeding episode. It's not really a breeding episode. Digimon wouldn't stand for this crap. It's going to go and take my Digimon to a salon to, to make it shiny so it can breed. This episode isn't really about breeding. <laughs> I've got kind of a rant at one point in my notes, but this is not what breeding is. It's not making a, po- a Pokemon shiny or massaging them. It's literally about breeding them, which is essentially taking the, the traits that you want from the parents, taking the, the, the best qualities that you want or the qualities that you need. You basically are getting the best bits passed down. It is not shinying your Pokemon with oil. <laughs> It is in Pokemon World, apparently. So then they're all having food and everyone's looking at Vulpix eating Pikachu's food and then Susie and Brock have a little conversation saying, yeah, you know, you must you must work really well to make the food. And then like two minutes into the conversation, Ash goes, looks like Vulpix is a fan of Brock's cooking because he's like two minutes behind the entire conversation because he has no idea what's going on. He's just there looking at all the shiny things and smelling all the smells. And he's like, look, it's eating the food. It's like, yes. We know. Well done, Ash. I got a badge. Yes, you did, Ash. Well done. I'm telling you, he has short-term memory loss. I honestly feel like Brock and Misty are like undercover carers for him. Because if they didn't have Brock, he would not be able to eat food. Because he just... I don't think he's going to survive on, I don't know, Doritos and Mountain Dew or whatever he's got in his bag. He can't afford such expensive luxuries. I'd love to see what he would have done if he was by himself travelling. But I do feel like his journey's been eased with Misty and Brock being there. And then they have a little discussion about the salons and Susie says, did you by any chance pass a large salon on your way? And I'm like, this is Scissor Street. There are literally large salons each and every step of the way. But there's a new one. It's a really big one being run by Team Rocket. (laughs) Run by Team Rocket with the photoshopped letter R. And the con is to make awful fashion and say it's good fashion and sell it. And then I've got a note that says, uh, Psyduck is how I feel this episode. Because he was all like, uh... And I also felt, uh... So then she's intimidated by Team Rocket's salon. But Brock says that she's an award-winning breeder. So she's an award-winning breeder, but she's doubting her methods. Like, if you've won awards, that's fine. And then just because some new salon opens up that offers a different service to what you do, why are you going to doubt it? It's a bit like having award-winning lemonade and then someone opens up a wine bar next to you and they do quite well and you're like... Maybe I'm not doing the best with my lemonade. It's, like, it's not the same sort of thing. It's similar, but not the same. So why are you doubting your methods? I don't know. And you have nothing to say. I can't delve into the mind of Susie and tell you why she's doubting herself. Because plot. So she decides to come up with a plan of, of having classes to show people how to do the things. And there's a shot when everybody's gathered around. And I was pretty sure that there's a Pidgey with acupuncture needles in it. It's it's not. They're ribbons, but like in, in the actual shop, because it's kind of far away, it just looks like it's got like needles with the little red tags on it. So Misty's decided to go to the salon while Team Rocket's 
boutique and all the people just disappear like ghosts you don't see them walking away they just fade misty's on the side of outside and brock ash and Susie are on the side of the inside is what matters basically but misty's a girl so she cares about appearance and goes to get her hair done and get psyduck prettified i don't know why it had to be psyduck i'm just gonna say right now like i really enjoy psyduck this episode yeah i'm glad it was psyduck even if it made very little sense yeah but what can you really do with with star you or star me you could probably do something i don't know what you'd do they go and start to have the demonstration and Pikachu falling back for the massage was so adorable because it had like a little happy face on him. And he was just like, yay, I'm going to get this. And it was cute. Yeah, it was. And then uh, Misty is getting her thing from Team Rocket. And uh, it's clearly Team Rocket. Like, I don't know how she could not see it's Team Rocket. It's just them with glasses on. Who else has purple and red hair in that style? No one. So yeah, they do whatever it is. For some reason, they do it to Misty. And I've got a note that says uh, they turn Misty into a Digimon protagonist because she's got like this outfit. And I think she has goggles as well. She has hair ribbons. She looks like a protagonist in Digimon. Yeah, she's definitely got the hairstyle for it. And then they kidnap her. But when James is like holding Misty and Misty's yelling, there's an animation error. And the layers for the cells, they'd basically put Misty's head over james's arm so it looks like her head's like floating over his arm yeah her neck just sort of floats above her clothes yeah yeah it'll be that it'll be that bit so Psyduck takes some initiative which is quite good because normally pokemon just stand there and do very little but just runs away and tries to get help straight to ash and brock and Susie, which is good because Psyduck's not often seen as a smart pokemon it's a bit of a coward <laughs> well yeah but you know he's he's aware of his role in the universe which is why he's always got that expression he's aware that he exists to fight for other people's pleasure. So then they all appear at uh, Team Rocket's boutique. And then Meowth appears out of nowhere and just explains their plan. <laughs> why would you do this? Like, it doesn't make any sense as to why he's like, oh, I, we come here to do this and do this to the people so we get all money. Why? If they didn't explain that, they wouldn't They wouldn't have people getting angry at them. I don't know. Team Rocket, they just do what they want. Yeah, apparently they also rented a store and converted it into a boutique where they were making a fair amount of money, apparently. Like, they have good business skills, but they just waste it all on catching a Pikachu. Good business skills, bad fashion sense. So they get ready to fight and they press a button and then there's just it turns into some magical girl anime or something because there's floaty light stairs and there's the universe around them and everything and everything's falling away to this giant stage. It's a massive stage and James and Jesse have the best costumes ever on. They do, they're amazing. They're like regal military costumes. Yeah, it's like Romeo and Juliet except James is wearing Juliet's dress and Jesse is wearing Romeo's costume. I like that Team Rocket do that though. Yeah, it is really cool. So, Vulpix uses Fire Spin, and it's an insanely powerful move. It is a massive fire tornado. And they just blast off and Misty gets burned, which is okay, you know. Normally what happens in a Pokemon episode is they'll have the Pokemon of the day, and then Team Rocket will try and steal Pikachu and the Pokemon of the day, or whatever. And then the Pokemon of the day will use an attack and blast Team Rocket off and save the day, and they did in this episode. It's exactly what Vulpix did. And then I got mad, because it's the thing that they do... At the end of the episode where Susie's like, Brock, you should take Vulpix because, you know, it really likes you. It's so tagged on, like, your Pokemon likes another person. I felt like it was a good conclusion to the episode. Because this episode's about Brock and his goals of being a breeder. And he's proven throughout the episode that he can make the food for them, he can look after Pokemon really well. That's the only thing that he does breeding-wise in this episode, is just, I made some food before the episode started, I've put it on a plate. He also does a whole lot of talking about how much he cares about the Pokemon and what's on the inside of it that counts and stuff and his passion for breeding they spend so much time talking about like they have this message they get try and get this message across where it's it's what on the ins it's what's on the inside that counts but then she's massaging them externally yeah so that they feel better on the inside okay but she's still sort of doing what team rocket are doing just taking away the makeup and the costumes that's completely different she's not changing their exterior she's making them feel better and shiny that's just the coats looking better naturally because they are better pokemon she's less of a breeder more of a, a pokemon masseuse and uh she's relaxing their muscles and stuff and, and making sure that they're okay i suppose she's doing that instead of just sticking stars on them or something there's no cosmetics involved at all but yep brock gets his vulpix because why not i don't care though because i really like vulpix vulpix is cool but like it is kind of just tacked on that he just gets the vulpix because it liked him 
it's the only person besides Susie that the Vulpix has ever responded to in the same way. Okay, but if I had, like, let's say my cat, I have my cat, and then I meet a person who also likes cats, and my cat likes them as well. I'm not going to be like, here, take my cat, because it likes you. Well, if they were the only person that your cat has ever liked besides you, and you're leaving, and you need someone to cat sit, then it's going to be that person. Where's she going? She's leaving? Yeah, she says, like, I'm closing up my salon and going off to learn more about Pokemon breeding, because my journey's not over yet. Because she doesn't know how to breed yet, because she just massages them. She's like, I still got a lot to learn, and you're only just beginning, Brock. So it's like the start of Brock actually learning things, hopefully. And I like Brock having his own side quest that he's on himself. That's a bit different to just being the very best. Yeah, I suppose. I've no idea what Misty's doing. She's just sort of following along until Ash pays her for her bike. She's probably paid a whole lot more than the bike costs just travelling. I suppose she just wants adventure, though. She doesn't want to go and do the gym stuff. She just wants to go and, and, and have a sense of adventure. And I think Ash gave her purpose in that. What, on the bike's just an excuse? Yeah, basically. Well, at first she wanted the him to pay for the bike and after a while she's seen ash fight and everything and the experiences that they have together and she's like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna stick around oh, okay my last note for this episode is that i feel like from now on it's gonna do that thing that you do in jrpgs where you have someone who's fighting with you or you have you fight a boss and they join your team and then they get their stats get lowered because vulpix is really powerful with fire spin but then i feel like in the next episode they're never going to be able to just defeat them with fire spin i feel like it's going to become weaker mm, that's probably just a one-time thing well any more notes for you when james was being threatening towards misty that was a really good moment in that it actually made me uncomfortable so for once team rocket were actually being proper villains so that was a cool standout moment i feel like they could just stop the team rocket stuff and they could open a really good business together they could do all sorts there's almost like a running theme where they really succeed in their little side jobs but they absolutely suck at being team rocket members if the season doesn't end with them start like if well if, if their arc doesn't end like at the end of pokemon with them opening up their own business and being extremely successful and realizing they don't need team rocket and they've never needed team rocket i'm gonna be upset because they're just fantastic people and they've got good business minds and they're quite creative as well and the only other thing i wanted to mention was that it feels like misty all of a sudden cares about being cute and things just out of the blue because she's the girl in the group so she has to fulfill that part of the plot yeah i was gonna say it's kind of out of out of character for her because she doesn't seem like the sort of person who really cares about appearance as in like not that sounds a bit negative what i mean is um i don't think it's the most important thing to her like she doesn't do typically girly things she just is herself and she has things that she does which you can perceive to be girly quote-unquote like um i like the last episode where she goes and tries perfumes which is nice you know it's a thing that she can do she's in a place that has them so why not and that was quite nice that wasn't her being all over the top with oh i love all this stuff it's so cute yeah she just seems like quite a tomboy most of the time so it just seems out of character for her to be all of a sudden just really all about the looks i could see her sisters being like that but not her and personal opinion i think i think misty star's fantastic i think it's great yeah and the last thing i wanted to mention was the microphone effect that they put over some of the lines made it really wobbly and i struggled to make out what they were saying some of the time the microphone effect yeah like whenever they were on a stage or brock was using a microphone oh yeah 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 it just seemed really wobbly and I struggled to work out what they were saying. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's a lot of echo on it. Any more thoughts? Psyduck's great. Yeah, I like Psyduck in this episode. Not my favourite thing this episode, because my favourite thing, if we're going to get to that, is uh, Pikachu. Because just that moment where he just flops back with a big smile on his face, waiting to have his little massage is really cute. But he's potentially my monster of the week. Favourite characters or things? Mine was Pikachu because of the, the being really cute. Mine was Vulpix because of the being really cute. Pikachu was cuter though. But Vulpix also can breathe fire and is a really cool fox dog fire Pokemon, whatever you want to call it. It's only a few fire types actually. There's... Yeah, there's not many fire types in the first generation. Vulpix, Ponyta, Magmar, Charmander, Moltres, Growlithe. I think that's it. But still, six out of that. It's not that many. And they're all orangey as well. That's a running theme I see with fire types. They seem to all be... Uh... Vulpix is red. Yeah, I was going to say they all sort of have like orangey or red colours to them. Unless they're mixed types. Fun fact. Fire is often associated with the colours orange and red. Overall thoughts? I thought it was a good episode. I liked that it focused on Brock. Yeah, I thought it was dumb, but I liked it. You thought it was dumb? There's so much focus on breed. Like, one side it's breeding and the other side is essentially accessorizing they're not the same thing it seems to be a bit confused about what breeding actually is 
Yeah, but apart from that, you know, it's kind of a cool episode. Yeah, and it's nice for Brock to, for once, admire a woman for more than just her appearance. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that that is a standout thing. It shouldn't be a standout thing where you like women for more than just the looks. I think there are a couple of episodes where Brock is out of his depth with women, which makes me happy. It seems to be like every episode where he's just like, you're a lady, marry me. I think there's one episode, actually, it's not really a spoiler, but there's an episode where there's a girl who's like that to Brock and he just is terrified terrified by it so i'm hoping we get to watch that one because that one's quite good that's everything for this episode i think now it's time for mono a mono where we talk about the similarities and differences in these episodes so let's start with our monsters of the week mine was psyduck because psyduck was the best thing this week well psyduck's going to be the best thing every week that showed initiative and it like went to go and get help without being told what to do. And even though it acts kind of like it's not all there, it's a little bit intelligent. It has basic instincts. Like when to panic. But I'm going to say that my monster of the week is Vulpix because it's a red fox and it's really cute, but it's also really powerful. And my sister's quite a fan of Vulpix and Ninetales because they're quite pretty Pokemon. I know a couple people who are uh, Vulpix fans. They're definitely one of the standout Pokemon in the first generation. It's one of the prettier ones. It's not like a ball or some eggs. Which episode do you think had the best storyline? Digimon, because it's basically just set up for the next arc. But I kind of like it. It was kind of okay. How can it be better because it was just very simple setup for an arc? I don't know. It was okay. I mean, like, they were both kind of just as good as each other. I would say Pokemon's was better, because Digimon's, there wasn't much to it. Like, it flowed along nicely enough, but there wasn't actually a lot that happened. It was just they met up with Jedi, he gave them information, then they went to use the information to go through the gate. See, I like episodes about downtime, like I love Home Away From Home, even though not a lot happens in that. I wouldn't say that makes for the most exciting storyline, though. Oh, no, 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 like... like... Pokemon was more exciting, a lot more exciting things happened, especially with looking at all the different Pokemon with their different garish outfits is quite fun. But yeah, I, I liked Digimon more because it was, it, it's slightly, it's not, it's like the in-between, between um like the end of an arc and beginning of an arc, it's basically the little the little time they have together to, to think things through. But Pokemon was exciting, I did enjoy it, it was fun, especially Team Rocket and their transforming salon boutique thing. And I like the focus on Brock, because that made a nice change. And I think it was a good Brock episode. Yeah, he didn't oogle anyone this episode. He was well behaved. Yeah, even though he had, like, the opportunity to, because it was an episode where there was another pretty woman, and they could have just been like, oh, she's so amazing, I want her to be my wife. But he wasn't. He he respected her, so. Well done, Brock. Okay, I think I've got to change my mind. I think Pokemon was better, actually. Well, it had the better storyline, but we're not on to final decisions yet. Yeah, okay. Uh, Similarities? The only thing I could come up with was that someone other than the leader gets to make a decision about what the group does. I mean, they do give Ty the permission and then Ty makes the decision to let Izzy make the decision, so... And Brock basically decides where the whole episode goes. I mean, they're literally there because he wants to go and meet this person who he admires. This role model of his. My theme was misunderstanding because in Digimon they use the wrong terms for levels, like uh, in Training Rookie and Champion, even though they were... Uh, rookie champion ultimate and in pokemon they call it breeding which isn't strictly what breeding is okay so it's not really misunderstanding as much as it is using the wrong words it's that then but i didn't want to call it my theme is using the wrong words so you're saying that i use the wrong words as well yes you did but yeah i couldn't really find other similarities yeah these episodes there's very little in common because there's very little in Digimon to compare it with that actually happens. I feel like when they go to the human world, we're going to get a fair few comparisons and things that we can we can say that are similar because they're going to be in like a human setting instead of a digital world, which would be nice. Yeah, there'll definitely be more parallels to be brought between them. The only other possible thing, but it's not really to this episode of Digimon, it's to the last one where Palmon and Agumon were in costumes. Yeah, I suppose. Pokemon was an episode late to the costume party. Which episode did you enjoy the most? I'm going to say Digimon, because I like the way that the characters delegated amongst themselves, and basically I like the character development and how they acted in the episode. I put Digimon as well, but I kind of want to change my mind, because the Pokemon, like, I did enjoy Digimon, but the Pokemon episode was a lot more entertaining. Digimon was more tactical and thinking what they need to do and everything yeah digimon was much more subdued i did like it yeah there's things to like about both of these episodes i think pokemon's was the funnier more exciting one but it's a bit more shallow in terms of the characters it also loses points because of the really bad photoshop well neither of the shows has outstanding animation (laughs) but they literally just took 
the stock image of a Vulpix and stuck it on the door. Why do that? Why not? I feel like it had some words in Japanese and also the sign had words in Japanese and they, they just rubbed them out and then put these bad photoshops on. I think Digimon should get the point this time. Yeah, I liked Digimon's focus on the characters and the decisions they were going to make. We've been given a lot of information and things like the uh, the analyzer's been updated and we've learned about typing, which is nice because we haven't, I don't think we've known about them before now. I don't think they've been mentioned before and I don't think they'll ever really come up again. Like, it's not going to be, oh, we should attack with this Digivolution because it's a data type and we're going up against vaccine or whatever also it gets points because it's an izzy ish episode yeah like the amount of attention that was given to izzy especially because in the last couple of episodes we've had izzy as a focus he kind of has tried to be that smart ass but in this one he's genuinely curious and asking questions which is nice and he makes the smart decisions at the end he doesn't just add long complex words to the conversation nope he solves the puzzle and gets everyone through to the real world safely so that makes it 14 14 so it's all tied again well it's bound to happen every once in a while but now we have a new arc of digimon which could send the scores either way that's the thing if we get a particularly good or particularly bad arc of digimon it's gonna affect the points in a big way but with pokemon it's basically like an episode by episode case pokemon varies much more wildly in quality because you know if the if at the end of the episode before in digimon they're about to fight something the next episode they're gonna fight it in pokemon they basically like in the last three episodes they're they've gone to three different locations for different stories so it's a much more episodic series join us again next time where we'll be watching episode 29 the Punchy Pokemon and Return to Heighten View Terrace. You can listen to more of us on SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher, where we like getting reviews and comments. And you can message us via our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, with the wall thread and email, which are all linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Bye! <laughs>